2: Hello and welcome to your post-match raw on AI Pro podcasting to you from a field here in beautiful rural Ireland. I'm Trev Downey, and joining me to give their immediate reactions to Liverpool two, Leicester one in the Premier League from Anfield are Dave Hendrick and Carl Matchett. Feels a while like a while since we've uh, done a proper game and had a chat like this, lads. And uh, what a weird, weird one we have to talk about tonight. It had all sorts of oddness about it, and lots and lots of incidents. I feel like we're going to have to give most of the time to talking about the multiplicity of incidents and match. Uh, um, I was going to say highlights, but that would be the wrong word. But let's do our usual and speak uh, in the usual ways that we do by starting and asking you, Dave. Initially, just as you know, we get those points over the line. What's your feeling? Because I I had a feeling of kind of giddy nervousness as the final whistle went. It felt deserved and yet could so, so easily not have been achieved.
3: Trev, just before you started talking, I glanced at my phone. I glanced at Twitter and I saw someone say, didn't see the game tonight, but based on the stats, it sounds like we deserve to win. Yeah, I thought. You poor lads, <laughs> but also you very lucky bastard that you didn't sit and watch what we just watched. We will play significantly better than that and lose games. And Leicester will play worse than that and win games. We were absolutely awful tonight. The first half display was an abomination. It was an absolute outrage how poor we were. We were lacklustre. We... We weren't competitive, We weren't aggressive, there was no pace, no purpose to our attacks. We had two lads in the first half that sort of stood up and made it seem like they were up for a game, one being Thiago and the other being Darwin, who we just couldn't get into the game enough. But I mean, you can go through the rest And, and some of them did grow into the game. I thought Trent started fairly poor, but grew into the game and I thought overall was quite good. I thought Virgil and Matip had a bit of a rocky start, but grew into the game and were okay. Robertson was poor. Harvey Elliott continues to display why he's not a midfielder and isn't going to be a midfielder anytime soon. Moe was pretty poor by his standards. Ox was poor by anyone's standards. But in a sea of shit, Jordan Henderson stood out as violent diarrhoea and that first half display is one of the worst I've ever seen by a Premier League footballer. Like, and I know people will say, oh, you always give out with Henderson. He was pathetic yeah. in the first half. He was bad in the second half. But that was a drastic improvement from how pathetic he was in the first half. The goal was his fault. Kieran Juice, behold, dog-walked him around in a manner in which... I was going on Amazon to see if I could get a dog collar sent to hall, Dewsbury Hall, Jewsbury Hall's house, so he could keep his new pet on a leash. It was embarrassing watching him play tonight. It was a shambles, and he but it, he wasn't the only one, but he was by far the worst. He wasn't the only
2: one, but but he was by far the worst. I think is absolutely a fair way to assess it, and I I think you'd need to be some sort of um agenda-driven loyalist to say otherwise the the kid had a stinker in that first half i I felt for him it was like it was awful um like you say less noticeable second half but there are plenty of people who could um be having a hard look at themselves tonight and i think including someone like our star man there I, i know people don't never want to hear or brook any criticism of Mo Salah but he 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 absolutely needs to be doing better for us on nights like that and i think the 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 interesting part about it for me was on a night where we were all keyed up i mean i heard you guys talking about the match beforehand i think i listened to you and carl talk about it specifically and it just felt like this was going to be one of those nights under the under the floodlights at Anfield, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, heady atmosphere. And to be fair, the loudest fans in the stadium for most of the first half and quite a lot of the second were the Leicester fans. So a lot of things didn't go right. And I'm looking at those stats you mentioned, Dave, and I'm going to use this as a segue into getting Carl's thoughts. It's quite interesting. I think they match quite closely with the same game where Leicester beat us last year in a way that was like, Oh my God, you know, and again, Dave said on the show today, if we'd won this, get the game against Leicester last year, like, you know, we win the title. Um, 21 shots, which I think was the stat from last year, versus seven for them, which I think they might have had six uh, and ended up with all the points last year, Carl. Um, This didn't feel like that game. This felt like comically open and, and that comedy thread runs through the whole match. But we felt... I mean, I say comically, but it was infuriating to watch the openness uh, that that is at the heart of our team, how uh, a, 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 a um, you know, stately home can... Uh, maraud through the center of our park and score a goal. Um, a couple of simple one-touch passes, a ball down the side, a ball over the top. All the things that you can use, the most basic tactics you can use. Running at a team, balls down the side, balls over the top. Every one of them made us look vulnerable. I don't know about you, Carl, but I was finding that like massively infuriating. Like I'm still quite
4: angry about that aspect of this match.
1: And are licensed with the premier league and uefa to sell official iron-on shirt badges and sleeve patches as a listener to this podcast you can get 10 percent off everything with coupon code ai pro 10 just head over to anfieldindex.shop or find us on etsy by searching for anfield index
4: yeah i have to agree um i think that this was a, a game we did win because we were the better team, but don't confuse that with being a good team. Um, we beat a very, very poor side who had a very, very basic game plan, and it worked like five times against us. They only made the most of it once, but it worked five, six times against us. That's It's a real worry. It's a worry that happens in the first place because it's so basic and because it's happened 70 times previously, but it's also more of a worry, I think, that we keep allowing it to happen in the game. There's nothing that we really do to change it, not from the sidelines, not from the players themselves. There's no real alteration in our approach. We let them do the same things. And this has happened in multiple matches this season. Um, I mean, the midfield has obviously been the biggest concern across the entire campaign. That's nothing new. Tonight was, you know, it plumbed new depths of lows, to be perfectly honest. It was really, really, I mean, first half, there was no midfield. Let's be honest. We We had a one man midfield for most of the game, but. Even so, there's there's no excuse for some of the, the the lax play that we had, for the lack of sharpness. There's no excuse for the lack of competitiveness that we had. There was a lack of anything really in that midfield other than the man with the number six on his back. Um, I think the, the very marginal improvement that we did get second half makes this midfield showing only the second biggest abomination of the night after the fact that... Uh, just before I've come to come on this podcast, someone's apparently stolen my toddler right out the fridge, so I'm not happy about that. Here I am with a tea and nothing to eat with it after that despairing performance. Um but apart from that there are a few positives to take from the game in terms of individuals, but not loads and not enough, not for a game like this. Um it's it's one that we should have won a lot more comfortably. As I said, it was less are a very, very poor side. They are very, very basic in what they do. They don't really have great partnerships or understandings or patterns of their play. It was very, very one-dimensional in terms of how they broke forward against us. And um, I would think that we will need much, much better in our very next game, let alone across the rest of 2023.
2: I don't know about you, but I feel like pausing the podcast and having an in-depth discussion about the crime against Christmas and Carl Matchett's Christmas in particular, that is the robbing of the Toblerone. I mean, this seems incredibly relevant uh and far more interesting to talk about. But uh we will shelve that atrocity and move on to talk about the one at hand. Uh, and of course, oftentimes I'm aware that when we say things like that, people are... well trev come on, we got to win and you know you know the type you know the type we all know the type the um they're happy clappy at all times except not really and they never want to brook any criticism of anything and um i'm sorry to to, to those people if there are any of them in the crew listening tonight because we do have to talk about a awful lot of the ineptitude that was on display and i'm curious dave when it comes to being harshly critical uh, uh, about what you thought when you saw the lineup. And I wonder, given the news that you told me about, which was that um, uh, Fabinho's uh, missus went into labor and therefore was the reason why he was AWOL. I wonder if we could just talk a little bit about the Reds lineup and what you thought about. It. Maybe there was no choice because when you look at the bench options tonight, it really screams at potential owners, current owners, fans, and anyone with a brain in their head that we need frickin' midfielders. Now, Cody Gakpo is a lovely, lovely Christmas bauble, and he may actually be an important part of us replacing Diaz temporarily this season and going forward a central cog in the Liverpool machine. Who knows? But the thing that we need are midfielders. And when you look at the team tonight... With Fabinho not being available for selection. He goes with, I thought it would have been Fabinho, Tiago and Hendo. And I will stand by, I think you guys both thought that as well. I, I would stand by that having been what it would have been. But we were forced to select Harvey Elliott. I say that, um, forced. I, I'll let you give your take on it a second. He went with the back four. Well, it was the team that played the last game. Um, uh, Trent, Matip, Van Dijk, Robertson, Thiago, Henderson and Elliot uh, Ox on the left, Salah and Nunes. Um, but when you look at the bench, Dave, and this is what I'm hitting you up for, is there any real choice here? Because on the bench is Adrian and Gomez, Kanate and Keita, I think you might say something about that chap, Simicus, Carvalho, Clark, Bacetic and Doak, and there are at least three children there. What's your thoughts about the the lineup, and was there much choice in it really?
3: Um, uh, the the only options really were maybe you could have started Joe at right back, pushed Trent to the right side of midfield, and played a midfield four. You could have done that because it was sort of a midfield four anyway. With Harvey as a right winger, and Knox, you know, playing as a left sided midfielder. Um, you could have started Naby, but. Uh, a midfield with Navi, Henderson and Thiago is three lads that want the ball all the time. Now, the problem with the midfield with Harvey as well is that it's three lads that always want the ball. You've got to have balance in your midfield. Ebu, it's probably too early. I think he might start against um, Brentford, although with Ivan Tony looking like he might be out for a while, maybe not necessary. <sighs> like, the, there's just... <laughs> We've got a a number of injuries at the moment. We've got a child starting in midfield who's not a midfielder. We've got four of the children on the bench. This is screaming out to anybody with any cop on, this is not acceptable. This is not acceptable for a team that bollocks to seasons of transition. This team should be competing for the league title and the Premier League and the Champions League. The league title's gone at this point, but the Champions League, will not be one with that group of players sitting on the bench. I'm not sure where Quevin Callagher was tonight. I I wonder if maybe there's the possibility that he might go out on loan or something in January, so he's been held back. But no, Jurgen didn't really have much choice. The you know, one player dropping out, that being Fabinho, created that mess. One yeah. player from what he thought from one player from what he had against Villa. And against Villa we were good if a little bit open. And without Favinho, we were an absolute travesty.
2: And it was always going to be thus, if we're being perfectly honest. I want to let you have your um brothers on Leicester as well, but Carl, I'll go to you on them. They started with uh, Danny Ward, much more of whom later, Castagna, Amarty, Fass and Thomas. Uh, they had uh, indeed, and Sumari and Dewsbury Hall and Perez and Barnes and Dakena. Uh, you can talk to us about how that particular 11 lined up because it wasn't in the order, order that I called out there. On their bench is... Everson, the out of favour Soyuncu, Vestergaard and Brunt, Mendy and Tielemans who came on, Albrighton and Inacho and Vardy, the latter two who also came on. Um and you look at that squad and you think, okay, well there's still remarkably still quite a lot of decent footballers there. Um much has been made of Leicester's odd form. Um mostly bad if we're being perfectly honest. When you were chatting about this and I, I did listen to your discussion with Dave on it and, and scouted, uh just let folks know who mightn't have heard whether you think that was uh whether that was what you thought they would go with and what you thought of old Brendan's uh attempts at a selection there and uh general attempts overall to make Leicester kinda of relevant this season.
4: Um I didn't think he'd leave Telemans out, but he was particularly bad against Newcastle, I have to say. It was a very, very poor performance from Leicester all round. And um, We mentioned the possibility of, let's say, two to three changes through the side because that's kind of what he's been doing. He's just been rotating to see who plays well and who stays in, that kind of thing. Um, It could have gone to two up front, try and put us under a bit more pressure there. He could have gone to a back three because that's what he's done a few times. But basically, it was largely going to be the same with a couple of... You know, spine alterations, let's say, which ended up being indeed in as uh, an extra ball winner. Perez in from the start. Nothing really changed though in terms of their their approach, um, in terms of how they defend, in terms of how they build up. It's quite a, a deep line, let's say, and a deep midfield block as well, but not particularly compact, not particularly um, hard working. I don't think there's lots and lots of gaps to play through which I don't think we really exploited as well as we could have done tonight. Um, they commit a lot of fouls because individually they're, they're not quite up to scratch in terms of where they should be positionally with regards to each other at the back. You saw Thomas Feiss give away so many free kicks or should have been free kicks uh, between them just on account of spaces, timing, decision making, that kind of thing. Um, I, I think they've been desperately poor. I think the, the quality of the players that they have there is somewhat higher than they have shown this season. But as a team, I think they're abysmal. I, I really do. I think this season they've been very, very poor compared to what they should be producing. You know, They were never a team that should be bottom three at any stage of the campaign, even if they had bad start or bad fixtures or anything like that. Um, there are enough players here to make a competitive team, but they play a lot of players who I think are, to be brutally honest, complete garbage. I think Castagna has had a shock in probably 18 months at this point. I think he's a terrible fallback as a wing back as an outlet fine fair enough but playing quite a reserved role from full back I think he's dreadful I think Fais is shit I think tonight he had maybe his most shit game ever so that's just nice timing but aside from that I just think he's a dreadful defender Thomas is okay but he's a kid he's very inexperienced he needs guidance he needs good things around him to to help him grow and Amate is very committed and very in your face, and he's aggressive, and he does lots of good things, but he's not a defender. He's not a centre back, at least. Um, so it's a very mix and match side. It's it's quite patchwork. There's no real partnerships there. I don't really like this team this season.
2: I liked listening to yourself and Dave's analysis of their work and their performance level so far this season because it has passed me by. I'll be perfectly honest uh and you were both quite critical of Fice in the build up uh of the idea of Armarte playing there and being you know the guy that is going to be uh reliable in that situation maybe even indeed he is also uh came in for a little bit of a, a, a raised eyebrow or two i thought Thomas tonight was very helped out by early nineties boy band reject Craig Pawson on several occasions where yellow should have been waved in his direction, but I can see what you're saying there. And Dave, to bring you in on this team and what it is they're doing. Um, you have to, we, we have to give them some credit because whether it was our ineptitude or their wonderful ability to be direct and um, uh, incisive, they did, For all the stats will tell you, they only had six attempts. They did seem to have the ability to penetrate our defence, and there were quite a few last-ditch tackles, 1v1s. Trent Alexander-Arnold, in particular, outstanding on at least two to three occasions a couple of Mm. decent interceptions and stuff like that um actually three occasions i can think of trent two one v one and one brilliant slide and interception of a dangerous cross from vardy so they had the they had us they had the they had the measure of us um do we do 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 you do you want to maybe reassess because i know you're quite critical of what brendan's at and you both were talking about coaching and whether or not you know you can really say a coach is a good coach having had a lot of time to work with their players they can give a performance like they did against newcastle does this actually count in the brendan win column in terms of like to be fair they were much better or what's your overall assessment of what they were like this evening and the selection that he put out
3: no, I think it's entirely down to us being awful that they didn't get their arses kicked because they are their crap at the moment. Um, I will give them credit. I thought it was an interesting move to go with Ndidi and Samari in midfield and just try and put you know, legs and physicality into an area where, where we didn't have any. I saw Simon Brundish tweet, how do Leicester press more than us? And it's very simple. You can't press if your midfield can't run. 100%. As simple as that. Harvey tries his best and he, he does work hard but he doesn't have any physicality and he's easily bundled off the ball. Definitely. Thiago, Thiago is is obviously a very good defensive player but he's he's small and he lacks physicality. And Henderson is just horrendous defensively and lacks pace and I don't know, desire maybe. He just seems not to to care as much as he used to. He doesn't seem to put in the same effort. Um I thought a couple of their players played well. Like Castanier had a fairly easy evening's work. Luke Thomas I did okay. Craig Paulson, like you said, helped him out a few times. Um Wout Fies was, was actually playing quite well before the World Cup break and has come back and been, well, he's been Wood for the last two games. But, you know, he scored two of the worst own goals you'll ever see and he still wasn't the worst player on the pitch. So kind of says it all. We should have been we should have been tearing that defense. Root, Faye, and Daniel Marty. I mean, come on, like that's like you have you're being given opportunities there. They've got the worst starting goalkeeper in a league of a number of poor goalkeepers. Yeah, Ward and, Ward, Ward should have given they Ward did give us a, a gift
2: wrap chance that we didn't take as yeah, well. Yeah,
3: and, like, and we didn't like we never troubled him. He made one half decent save from Mo. Yeah, and the other four of our chances, our, our shots on target, were all straight at him, like. You, Nav and Cosmos have goalkeepers that wouldn't have conceded those shots uh, it was just like Dewsbury Hall I thought was excellent I thought other than Thiago I think he can make a strong case Dewsbury Hall was the best player on the pitch I thought he ran the midfield for large, large portions just had had his way had loads of space loads of time I think he's a really tidy player He's the type of player I wouldn't mind us adding, uh, not necessarily as a starter, but you know potentially as a as a really good squad player that can play a couple of different positions. Um, no, I don't think Brandon deserves any real credit. I just think I just think our players deserve to be absolutely leathered. To to be honest, like they're the worst team in the league when it comes to defending set pieces. The tallest player I would say in their starting eleven. Is Wilf Ndidi, who's six one ish. Maybe yeah, Danny Ward might be a bit taller. I don't know, but I'd say Indeedy's probably the tallest player in their starting eleven. We have at least three players who are taller than him, and yet our set piece delivery wasn't nearly good enough. We didn't threaten them at all, really, with our set pieces. I think we got one header on target, and it was it kind of bounced off Darwin and. and had lost all its momentum by the time it reached the goal line, We were just, we were just so, so poor.
2: When you see uh, a game where it clicks with Virgil and corners, uh, and even old 50p, Joel and corners, uh, you know, and you add in the fact that you've got Darwin Nunes there and several others who can who are, you know, units. It's a remarkable thing. Obviously, we are quite high, if not top, of the stats in set pieces and and all that type of thing. But I guess the point is we should be. And it's a little bit disappointing to have as many as we had for them to be as ineffective as they were. But, Dave, let me start with you to open the analysis of the game itself because you talked about uh, Dewsbury Hall and, you know, much and all as I might uh, Slag off uh, his name. He, he is is it proper f- Premier League quality footballer. I get what you're saying. He may never be in that top top bracket, but he has the engine, he has the drive, he has the technique, and uh, he really did a lot of great work for them. And after we did have a little bit of an opportunity, I think on the three minute mark, where Harvey had drifted left, played a one two, Rabo. Before sort of curling and hooking a shot over the bar, uh, within seconds, they were 1-0 up. And again, listening to the pre-match build up, of course, as I do, uh, all of the people I was listening to, including you two guys, are saying, well, it's gotta be reasonably important that we try to not do that early concession thing. and there you go three minutes three of your Irish minutes and we were one down and it was Dewsbury Hall now I want to talk about this goal in a bit of detail with you um, before I go back to Carl and take it from there and do a good chunk of that first half because honest to God we're going to have to do big chunks there's so many things happening here but the concession of that goal is weird You've already kind of named your colours to the mastape Dave, in terms of where you think an awful lot of the blame should be apportioned. Now, just so that we're absolutely completely fair about this, let's talk about how it happened. It's a long ball basically from a kick Uh or a kick out rather uh, to then two first time passes then do us up like kippers. And the ball is at Dewsbury Hall's feet and he is running right through the heart of the Liverpool team from a very central area before carrying it into the box and doing very well to finish past Ali. Because we do know that that guy is, I think, I think unquestionably the best goalkeeper in the world. So you beat him, you're doing fucking well. But the concession of it, I, I, I'm going to. Let's 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 try to be completely analytical, coldly analytical here. All the touches involved, the delivery from Ward, fair play, the first, the touch that comes after that first touch, the second touch that comes after that, the, the second um, intervention after that, another first touch ball, excellent. All of them are excellent. Jewsbury Hall's contribution, excellent. But at what point does someone just decide or not decide rather? I'm going to kick this lad up in the air because yeah. that's what needs to be done. I would rather see someone walk across him and give away a penalty than that bullshit. I found it infuriating, and I still do. I'm even getting angry now talking about it, Dave. Well, walk, walk me through it.
3: Let's start with how the goal actually, how, how it begins, why, why our shape gets twisted. What happened immediately before their, the Danny Ward goal kick? Who had that shot from the left-hand side? Well, that's Harvey, right? So Yeah, Harvey our right-sided midfielder. Exactly. He's on the left-hand side, so he's immediately out of position. So when that goal kick comes out, the area he should be in, Trent has to go and try and win it. He has to go and try and win it, which pulls Joel across, which creates a space, which Daka moves into, and Virgil has to follow him. Now, Virgil... Following him means that the holding midfielder should be dropping into the other centre-back spot. That's automatic. That's what you should be doing. Andy Robertson is trying to hold his position because he's got two men to deal with. So all of a sudden you've got this hole in the middle of of our defence. Because Robbo has to stay where he is and Virgil has to go with Daka. Because if he doesn't go with Daka, Daka takes a touch and is running into the channel with... A big open space in front of him and potentially getting a shot away himself. Daka plays the ball first time to Dewsbury Hall. That's a 50 50 ball that Henderson should just be clearing through him. He should just be taking man ball the whole thing. When you don't win the initial challenge and he's now ahead of you, you have to foul him. You have to foul him. You're not going to get sent off because you've got covering defenders coming from either side, but he does nothing. And Kieran Dewsby-Hold is a lovely player. He's got a really good technical level. He's got great balance when he dribbles. He's not quick, and yet he runs away from Henderson while dribbling, and Henderson doesn't make any effort to get back. It is appalling, Trev. It starts because Harvey is on the wrong side of the pitch, for reasons known only to Harvey, but that is part of why he is not a midfielder. And when you ask him to be a midfielder, you ask him to do certain defensive duties that are not natural to him. And the natural part of his game, that kind of free roaming attacking side, that takes over and leaves a big hole. But that's not an excuse for what happens afterwards. One person not doing their job. I've said it before and i to say it again. You're only ever as good as your weakest link. And our weakest link is our captain. And it was again tonight. And his failure to do his job and his unwillingness, once again, and we've highlighted this four or five times before on these podcasts, his unwillingness to take a yellow card for the good of the team is problematic when he's the holding midfielder. Like, you have to foul him. You can't do anything else. You're the wrong side because you shit out of the tackle. He's now past you. You've got to foul him. And he doesn't. He doesn't even make a good attempt to get back and tackle him. It's really, really poor. Credit to Dewsbury Hall. But like when people say, you know, wonder what I mean when they say Dewsbury Hall's not quick. Look how long it took him from when he got the ball round Henderson to when he shot. Look how slow that was. Andy Robertson made up quite a bit of distance to get back, having been miles out of it, because he was trying to cover two players. If if Jewsbury Hall had gone another yard or two, Robertson probably gets to him. But he doesn't have to. It's a good finish, past easily the best 1v1 goalkeeper in the world. But it should never have happened. Henderson should have dropped. As soon as Virgil went, Henderson should have dropped in next to him as the other centre-back. And he doesn't. And he gets caught in no man's land. And he doesn't make the tackle. And he doesn't commit the foul. And he doesn't try and get back. Four things. And how is there well, nobody? How things. how is there how is there nobody else?
2: And, uh, obviously, I take ex- exactly what you're saying on board. Because
3: right? because we're now playing with ten men, because Harvey <laughs> is so far out of position. But how is there Everyone nobody? Everyone else, else th- is having to do somebody else's job and uh, their, their uh, own job at the same uh, time.
2: A hundred percent. But you also have played the game, and you know what it's like to be on a on a pitch. And I know you've played rugby as well. So let's try this one. Where's Peter Stringer with the ankle tap? Let's, like, why is there no one? Just take them out. This is yeah. ridiculous. It's ridiculous. And as long as we can see goals like this, Dave, we are going to be,
3: we have this smell of vulnerability about yes. us and, and will hold us for the rest they of will the season. Us. We're soft. This is a soft team. Right soft, right yeah, yeah. There's okay. no hardness to this team. This team, when it was winning, had a toughness to it, it had an edge to it, it had a bastardry to it and a lot of that was Sadio and Sadio kind of set the tone for a lot of that but Robbo Robbo doesn't seem like he has that same intensity, that same fire Virgil certainly doesn't seem like he has it you're missing Fabinho who's you know, high on the bastardry meter without Fabinho with the two lads and without Mane and with the two lads like, you go through our team Trent's a nice guy Joel's a nice guy Harvey's a nice kid. Henderson's, you know, the type who walks grannies across the road. Thiago's a lovely fella. Moe's a lovely fella. Ox is the nicest guy in the world. Darwin's the only one with a bit of a prick, with a, with a bit of prick about him. And like he can't, he can't do the defensive work when he's at the other end of the pitch. But there's just, there's a lack of the magic word. There's a lack of intensity in this team. There's a lack of leadership in this team right now. There's a lack of lads standing up to be counted. And there's a lack of a manager willing to put his foot in their arses. We saw Naby Keita put in a better performance than most of those lads first half and get hauled off twice, once before half time away to Real Madrid and once at halftime away to Atletico Madrid. He was better on both nights than most of those lads were first half. And Klopp did nothing. Hello, I'm here to annoy you. Didn't yep. hold him off. We, we saw bit- him bollock Fabinho against Brighton. Fabinho wasn't as bad against Brighton as any of these lads. We saw Klopp stand on the touchdown and scream at him. And tonight, Klopp just kept his hands in his pockets. <sighs> You
2: talked about leadership and Tiago did show some leadership on six minutes. He tried to make an incision by a a nice little slaloming run into the box. And, you know, as our most technically gifted footballer, I I don't think there's any doubt about that. He almost pulled it off, but it was blocked at the death. And then we saw a loose ball by the same man and then one by Ox just before it on eight and ten minutes, respectively. And it was so obvious, Carl, that balls, like I said to you earlier, down the flanks or over the top was the most straightforward tactic in the world and looked dangerous for them. And the frustration started to build in us at this stage. And bear with me, because I'm going to take you all the way through to the one all situation, uh, which is a big chunk of the half. But I think, you know, we have so much to talk about. It probably warrants it. I I. Just want to point out at this stage, I did notice at this point about 15 minutes in that the away fans were much louder and uh, any of their jeering or sneering or anything like that came across much louder. Obviously, of course, classy lot that they are. They did the always the victim stuff both times that Harvey Elliott went down. So fair play to them for that. That's just stunning levels of uh, class on display there. But I, I point that out because again, uh, like myself and yourselves, I'm sure most of us were convinced of the narrative of the heady atmosphere of Anfield uh, in a night under the floodlights. Didn't quite pan out. On 16 minutes, Vardy came on for Daka, who got injured. Uh, Thomas picks up uh, no yellow card for a second challenge on the edge of the box on about 18 minutes. And the second one's certainly worthy of a yellow one uh, on its own. And uh, given that he'd done it just the same a couple of minutes before, you would have thought he would have picked one up. But no, like I said, boy, Boyban Pawson wasn't into it. Tiago did brilliantly versus Barnes in a challenge as they broke from that free kick, actually. Uh, on the 19 minutes, there was a pretty dangerous Fardy cross in and Trent had to make that intervention, I mentioned earlier on, uh, sliding in to prevent it from uh, getting into the guy who was coming in on the back post 20 minutes in it was pretty much a free header for Ndidi from the corner that trent conceded there uh another chance we have to admit 22 minutes pace uh from darwin a lovely pullback his first intervention in the game really of note because he hadn't been played into the game at this point we we chose not to use that side of the park uh, Mo shot over as he was coming from left to right and he would like to see him do better with that opportunity but it wasn't easy Uh Robbo with an absolutely atrocious cross after some wonderful work by Thiago in 24 minutes and you're starting to think oh god Mo did have the ball in the net soon after that Um but um it came from like I said a dodgy piece of uh, play by Danny Ward but there was an offside flag raised didn't fully understand where the offside occurred but Jamie Carragher told me it was definitely offside before he even saw it so I I obviously agree with Cara um an absolutely appalling ball by Jordan Henderson after some great work by Tiago. uh in, in a repeat you know Tiago's doing great stuff lays the ball to a colleague who makes it balls but first it was Robbo now it's Hendo. uh Absolutely awful in 27 minutes. It's like literally so bad. It was a ball to nobody. There were options everywhere. And he did this little dink into the middle where nobody was. And again on 31, like four minutes later, he's doing the same thing. In a terrible giveaway of, the, of possession. And we were lucky that they failed to take advantage of it with a poor pass. It led to a corner and a bit of possession for them. But thankfully, nothing came from it. I'm sorry, but this is the absolute, like, whatever the opposite of a purple patch is. I don't know why a purple patch is good, but let's, like, like, let's just call this a brown patch for Jordan Henderson, uh, uh because he then lost the ball, uh, after we had regained the ball. He's having a mare. Uh, Elliott goes down injured on 34. Looked like a bad knock, but he stayed on. Henderson does have a token shot in 38 minutes, but again, it's one of those by-the-book things. And then through the magic of Christmas, Carl, on 37 minutes, we are level. And it is uh, a feist with an own goal. And after a little bit of pressure from the Reds, Trent whips in a cross that, when you look at it, in the replays is easily going into Danny Ward's arms. Uh, Pearl Feist sticks a leg out at it. And it loops comically over him in a way that, I mean, you could not script it better. It's gorgeous. Like, the angle of this ridiculously comical loop, the way it goes up and over and drops almost into the top corner, it's just... You, you want to play comedy sort of noises over it. The poor bastard could not have been more unfortunate. He probably shouldn't have intervened, but I totally understand why he did. Uh And we're one all. And I don't know, Carl, if at that stage we deserved it. That's 37 minutes. Talk to me about the goal, such as it was, that we achieved. And anything else you want to pick out from that big chunk that I left you with there?
4: Uh, I'd like to revisit the fact that you've labelled it a brown patch. (laughs) 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 Oh, God, we had a massive brown patch in the middle of the pitch for most of the night, to be perfectly honest. Busy day for the groundsman tomorrow, that's all I'm going to say. Look, the, the goal was, I think you're being nice to him just because it was so bad, to be perfectly honest. He has no business going for the ball. He's on the stretch, wrong foot. He's off balance. He's leaning the wrong way when the ball comes in. And Danny Ward has given him a massive shout. Uh, it's it's not his to go for. And while there's obvious fortune from a Liverpool perspective at the at the angle, like you say, which is absolutely perfect to go under the bar and then inside the post, don't do it. <laughs> That's all I can say. Don't do it. We've we've all seen the defenders get in the way and it loops up when uh, a forward shoots, and this is the exact same thing. You're getting in the way of something you shouldn't be. So um, good for us. I don't know, honestly, that we were exactly battering the door down, but we'd had lots of ball in the final third without doing too much to it. I think I think you mentioned the two of them, the most guilty, Robertson and and Henderson, have given the ball away with dreadful, um, both technical and decision-making aspects of passing. But Trent's delivery wasn't great in the first half. Um, Elliot had a couple of nice combination passes in the, in the first half, but actually wasn't very good. He was very weak and made a few bad decisions as well. So our build-up in general was not good at all. We had a lot of the ball in a few areas, but like, what was it? 20, 22 minutes, something like that, before we really gave Darwin something to run. And the first time he went on a run, he absolutely destroyed Rootface. Absolutely destroyed him. Like, took two touches I think and the defender was not within five yards of him and it was on an inside turn as well all right foot on his left hand side so it wasn't exactly that close control from from Darwin why it took us so long to start playing the balls in the channels I have no idea why it took so long for us to start you know, looking for the forwards to combine. I I don't know about you you two, but like I saw this tonight as a lot more four four two than four three three, to be perfectly honest. Um obviously there was an element of switch in there with Oxley Chamberlain, but off the ball, a lot of the time it was a four. A lot of the time it was more very, very central and it was
3: similar to Villa. Yeah, it was. It was. I mean I even well, thought Harvey was, was little, even wider than Henderson was.
4: Yeah, I thought it was a little bit more than Villa tonight even, to be honest. But even so more to the point then why we weren't really getting the forward to combining so early on because it took ages for us to start looking to play the balls into feet or balls into the channels for them to, to chase down or anything so that whole period of the game I think is much the same as I said at the start of the podcast we were better we were the better side but it wasn't because we were a good side we just had more of the ball we had a lot more ability to get the ball back and put it to the start of our build-up play and I suppose by that I mean we had some build-up play they didn't they sort of went direct most of the time but it was really poor on and off the ball for us I thought overall this was a a rather stinking fetid first half performance (laughs) stinking
2: and it if you don't mind could <laughs> you doubling down on the brown patch imagery uh, wonderful I, I I agree entirely and and Dave this the first half ends with another point of note and of course if you want to dig back into that big chunk that I threw at Carl uh, uh, very unfairly please do uh, but soon after that horrific um, intervention by the Leicester centre-half, we did have a, an opportunity for them. It, it took one ball, all of one ball, to beat the midfield, and Vardy was in on 43 minutes. Thankfully, there was a flag. Uh And then in that same minute, we saw Trent carry the ball the length of the field, cut in and fire over uh, on his left foot. When I guess if he had steadied himself a bit more, like you would say often about Andy Robertson, if we're going to be equal in our, uh, 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 probium, you'd like to see the guy just take it easy lads, you know, cause he's so, so very good. And it was actually, you know, he's clear in. He has a clear strike and goal. You'd like him to see, you'd like to see him be better with that uh, particular peg. That's harsh, perhaps on 44 minutes. Uh, harshness continues because they end up being 2-1 down and we're finished with our chats about goals for the night again it's the unfortunate uh frizzy haired vice it's a tremendous burst of pace uh by darwin nunez as he runs onto a ball from right to left uh and dinks a really nicely executed finish uh over the keeper which I think all of us are just like, even those of us who are follically challenged are pulling out whatever hair roots we have. Because you're just thinking, you poor bastard. Will nothing work for Darwin? Uh, and you, in that split second where you're having these thoughts, Armand uh, Feist decides, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to run onto this as it hops off the face of us. I'm going to fucking blast it into my own net. (laughs) The poor, poor fucking prick. The best finish of the night. (laughs) (laughs) Like, it's just... (laughs) <laughs>
4: I and out. Henderson both tried to do that finish in the second half, but it was only him who managed it. He's the only one who
2: managed. To what do you reckon, Dave? Talk to us about talk to us about the, the, the goal if you want to focus on a few things. Uh, but also the balance of that first half, any anything you want to pick out.
3: I, I tweeted after the first uh Feiss own goal. That's the funniest own goal I think I've ever seen. Yeah. Because There was no need for him to make an intervention. The ball was rolling into Danny Ward's arms. And for some reason, he flings himself on the ground.
2: But it's the quality, it's the quality of the intervention. It's
3: the the arc, the arc of the the ball. It it seemed to take ages to drop into the net. And then when the second one went in, all I could think to say was, that's hilarious. Because again, there's no reason for him to do what he does. Like, you're running back. Surely, surely you're watching the ball and you can see that the ball is spinning and is either going to hit the post or it's going to spin wide of the post or it's going to go in. Right? It might go in, but either way, you tearing back like that is, is not a good thing because if the ball does come to you you're moving far too fast to actually do anything with it other than what he did Like that's that's a seven minute spell that's about as bad as anything you'll ever see like Carl mentioned earlier when when Darwin roasted him down the line but what Carl f- failed to mention was when that ball was played towards Darwin Feiss was significantly closer to the ball <laughs> than Darwin was yeah. and Darwin still got it and just ran past him but I I I was as as he went through on his left foot and he chipped it. I was just willing it to go in. He probably should have just gone low with it and just tried to roll it past Danny Ward, who was miles off his line. Should we talk
2: about this? Should we talk about this for a second? Because obviously it's going to come up again because there's another one where in the second half he's bearing down goal on his on his right foot and. Uh,
3: he, and he tries he, to put it in the top corner.
2: He tries to bury in the top corner, the absolute handbag. Uh, and and you, you, you like, I love the lad. I love this kid.
3: This, I, this is Suarez eleven, twelve. Yeah, Trev, where that's he what I'm was thinking. Struggling for goals, and he was trying to score the or is it perfect Crouch? goal. Or is it Crouch? Let's be honest. It, it, the, it could well. No, but Crouch, Crouch couldn't do the things that Darwin does. Crouch, when he wasn't scoring, was struggling to impact games. But Suarez was impacting games, but he was trying too hard. Darwin is having a huge impact on games, but he's trying too hard. I mean, the second goal he makes, he made a brilliant chance for Mo before this. An absolutely brilliant chance with, with the Feist one where he, you know, drove inside, cut it back for Mo and all you want Mo to do is just wrap his foot round it and send it into the far corner. He makes that brilliant chance for Mo in the second half where he splits their defence with a great pass. Like, he's doing all the good things, and he's an outlet, and he's chasing, and he's harrying, and he's harassing them, and they couldn't deal with him. Like, Castanier and Marty and Feiss will be going home tonight and having nightmares about that fella. He is absolutely hounding people. He did the same thing against Villa. Absolutely gave um, Esri Conza and Maddie Cash a chasing throughout. So, so, at
2: this point, just to get a definitive take, and I understand there's lots more evidence to be presented to the jury in the second half uh, round, then which we're going to do in a minute. Are you quite high
3: on Darwin at the moment? Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. I think yeah. I think he needs a couple of things to go his way. Like he needs one to scuff in off his knee or off his arse or something. And the, the Anfield is going to erupt the next time he scores there. Like they, they, may, they may want to go up and make sure all the nuts and bolts holding on the roof are in place and strong because the noise when he scores his next goal at Anfield is going to be deafening because the fans are fully on board. Because remember, one of the things Liverpool fans love is they love effort. Like Dirk Cout, we bought him as a striker. We paid a lot of money to buy him as a striker. And in truth, he flopped and we had to move him to a different position. And he did well, obviously, on the right of midfield. And you'd never look at Dirk and say he's a very good technical player or, you know, he did something skillful. But he worked his ass off. Do you remember Dirk? And he showed up time and time again. You remember Dirk's debut. Like, yeah, you, you,
2: everyone fell in love with him on his debut because, yeah. because it was pure raw effort. And uh, that's and, what
3: this lad, I think, is yeah. offering us. I agree. You could see it from about 75. He was shattered, but he was still chasing every ball and still harassing their defenders and still trying to set them all up. And like, it's almost like he's kind of. Like I said I think he's trying too hard with the goal to, to get his goal and he wants it to be the you know a great goal he wants a, like a a picture book goal but it also seems like it has clicked in his head like yeah I'm the big money striker but this fella over here this little fella over here with the curly hair this is the main man so even if I'm not scoring if I can give him opportunities to score that's just as good And that's what I really like. And before we signed him, I compared him to Diego Costa. And I said, I think you'll get a lot of the selfless work rate. He'll set up chances for others. He'll be an absolute menace. There'll be times he'll frustrate the life out of you because he'll miss a sitter or his touch will be off or whatever. But we have to say, like, from a technical point of view, his touch, his dribbling, his decision making has all improved since August. Now, his finishing is, is, is the issue, but you know he's creating chances for mo he's bringing others into the game he's giving us that outlet to stretch to play. He will get goals i've I've seen him for Almeria I've seen him for Benfica we've seen that we saw this guy last year. look at the goal he scored at Anfield. a bad finisher doesn't score that goal Do you know and and he gave Eboo all eboo could handle. Eboo came out on top, but Darwin gave him all he could handle and we know how good Eboo is. This guy's going to get a shit ton of goals for us. He just needs one to fly in for him. And I think he'll be off to the races and he'll get like 10 and 7 and a handful of assists and everybody just be like, wow, wow, this guy is actually the real deal.
0: I don't need a VPN. I've got nothing to hide. This is what I used to tell myself before I hooked up with LibertyShield.com. Not only is my home Internet now fully encrypted, but I can now access all the websites I want whenever I want
2: carl you can hear the affection in the in the uh in the stands for this kid uh even someone who's as notoriously negative as jamie carrigar is talking about the positives of darwin nunes because you have to be a sort of a particular type of sepulchral naysayer to Want to focus on what's not going right, which is, of course, the fact that the ball is not going in the net as often as we'd like. And yet, let's look at the stats in general and let's not be too stupid about the fact that he, he has scored goals for Liverpool. Uh, we want him to score more. And where are you landing on this uh in terms of what you're making of, let's say, the combos with Moe, the 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 effort levels being displayed by this kid the 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 pace carriger I hate to give him any credit called him a chaos agent uh and I'm not giving him any credit because you know who said that first harry setti said that first so what do you make of him? Let's just talk about him here because he'll come he'll come into the running and then you and I'll go into the second half. But I want to give you a, a a second to chat about Darwin because it's kind of the story of the match in many ways.
4: Um, more or less the same to be honest. I I mean like I said when we signed him like I think for for what he is at the minute we've wildly overpaid. But if you at this point take out the money and look at what he's given us and just take it on on the principle of should he be in the team by what he's doing so far? Is he playing a big enough role in the team for what he's given us so far? I don't think there's any doubt that every single time the answer is yes. Like not to say that he hasn't had a bad performance or hasn't made mistakes or whatever, because you know again we have to keep pointing out the guy missed games through headbutting somebody, so it's not been perfect. But in terms of what he's done for like probably take the World Cup month out, but probably the last what two and a half months something like that, I think he's been very very good. Uh, I don't think there's been too many players in this Liverpool team outside of probably like a little bit of Salah and a little bit of Trent and Alisson for most of the season, who you could say have been at the level that Nunez has for impacting matches. I, I think that's honestly where he is at the minute. Like, Canati's been very, very good, but only in like two games this season. Virgil's been pretty good in a couple of games, but not consistently near his best level. I think although the finishing touch itself is missing, Darwin, game after game after game, is having a huge impact on how we play and how close we go to score and how close we go to getting three points wrapped up or not. And I don't think that there's, like I say, too many other players who can say that they've been consistently so effective for us. And it's not just because he's chaotic. It's about the fact that he's doing his job very, very well. He's occupying defenders. Take out, again, the, side, the fact that you think it's exciting or it's you know it's notable because of the... Speed that he plays at, the job that he has, occupy the defences, link up play in the final third, create shooting chances for yourself. He's doing all of these things with regularity. They're not all quite going in at the minute, but he must be on. I'm not sure. Maybe three, four times he's hit the woodwork already this season as well. Those are really fine margins, very, very close to being, you know, a 15 goal season uh, already. But even so, he's like he's very nearly double figures already. We're not halfway through the campaign yet, and. There's a lot more to come. Like, like I I wouldn't have been surprised to see him get a hat trick tonight. I said that in the in the podcast. Like, I think if you give him the right service, these are defenders Faye and Amate, who he could absolutely destroy. And to be honest, I don't honestly remember him going up directly against Amate too many times tonight. But Faye certainly had like two or three runs off him. Didn't get close to him. One or two aerial battles which he won. Uh, the couple of shots that he had when he was sprinting away from defenders, nobody got near him at all. Like, this is. Only the beginning still in terms of his integration into the team. So you can expect that even if nothing else improves, that will, the understanding will, and the runs that he makes will. I think in the last couple of games, him and Salah have exchanged, what, three really clever passes and runs between them now to create shooting chances. That's huge. Like center forwards don't always link up that often. It doesn't sound a lot, but it is actually.
2: It really is. And, you know, I want to take you up as far as somewhere around halfway through the first half, the 70th minute or so. Uh, talking about, sorry, the second half, talking about the second half activity. poor old Fleiss, uh, was starting to get whistles from the cop in the opening goings of the second half, uh, gave the ball away and <laughs> whistled, uh, to within an inch of his life. And at this point, I feel it uh, incumbent upon me to point out, maybe this is a pun that other people have heard before, but I hadn't. Uh, my Twitter pal from Australia, Nathan, said that he thought Fice was going to find his name in a Brenvelope. What? That's fantastic. I'd never heard that before. If that's an old thing, I, I apologize to nobody, but Brenvelope. Wonderful. 48 minutes. Barnes had a cross shot, which they tipping away from Ali. Ali himself then played a fantastic ball to Darwin on 49, but they just kind of crowded him out. 50 minutes. Trent, uh, Trent's throw in is absolutely perfect. It goes into the middle of the box where Henderson is running from the edge of the box to the center of the box. He has all the space in the world. But he pulls his half volley narrowly wide of the left hand post as he's facing it. And honestly, I think that's a really, really good opportunity that should at least have been on target 52 minutes, mostly one wide. I think, again, a really good opportunity. It's an inexplicably bad finish after some brilliant work by Darwin Nunes and a through ball from him uh, from left to right. And that's two fantastic opportunities spurned on 50 and 52 minutes where the game should have been dead, in my opinion. Let Carl, say whether he agrees or not, 53 minutes, Barnes got in on goal. Uh, it kind of deflected off Joel and bobbled across the one-yard line. It was a dangerous moment we could have done without it, considering the game should have been over at that point. Some great sweeping by Ali versus Vardy on 55. They brought on Tielemans for Ndidi on 58. 60 minutes, Jewsbury Hall had a free header from a Castagne cross. He makes a mess of it, to be honest. Um, Harvey is just literally watching him. Uh Harvey had let him run away from him uh to double down on the point that Dave has made earlier on, I've made earlier on. Harvey Elliott is not a midfielder. This is this is why we can't do this. It's not okay. Like the guy just literally strolled into the box on his own and if he had anything about him at all, he should have uh equalized for them. Sixty-one minutes we bring on Naby and Simicus for Robo and Ox. We need Ali to be brilliant out to the edge of the box on Vardy at 64 minutes. Uh, there's a fantastic opportunity for the Reds in 65. A great ball by Joel Matip who's off on an adventure and he pings it at Darwin's feet. He plays a 1 2 at Mo and Darwin blasts it over the top on the right hand side of the six yard box from a narrow angle. They bring on Sumare. Uh, sorry, is it a yellow card for Sumari on Tiago on 66? And the Leicester lot are chanting, where's your famous atmosphere? And like, I I do obviously abhor these for the other chance that they made, but I couldn't argue with that particular point. Hendo had the freedom of the park on 68 minutes, literally the freedom of the park. And there are people running left, right and center, Mo Salah, one of them. And there's a ball to literally no one in nowhere land with everybody in the general vicinity of the pass being in a blue shirt. And Carl, on 70 minutes to bring on Ianacho for Perez, talk to me about that chunk of the second half.
1: Um, We should have wrapped
4: up the win with that third goal. I think the Henderson one, I'm not honestly sure if I think that it was a fairly decent hit because he's gone such pinpoint to get it in the far corner sort of thing or whether I just think that that was the best thing he did all game long Um, because the second half actually started with him firstly passing the ball straight to them and then secondly trying to I'm not really sure what loop a ball sort of half a clearance half a pass over someone's head and again straight to them and that was the first two touches of the ball he'd had and then the third one was the shot so I was like oh, maybe that's a bit better but honestly <sighs> it was very, very frustrating to watch. And I assume it's very, very frustrating to go through for him himself as well at the time. But then a couple of minutes after that, he's having to go at Harvey Elliott for misplacing the pass. And I'm thinking, like, nah. There's an order sort of thing. Like, you know, I mean, it's uh, – like uh, Elliott, like I said, I think Elliott was – he had a few nice combination passes today. He was pretty quiet overall, didn't, like, create loads of stuff or anything like that. He was a bit weak. He was a bit lax in too many passes, that kind of thing.
3: But I, but I think that, there has that to be played, part, yeah. He didn't actually, he didn't misplace it. He played it to Henderson mm-hmm. and Henderson chose not to step forward and take the ball. Yeah, it, yeah, and indeed it, he it. nicked in. That's not on Elliot. That's on Henderson. Yeah. You can see that man is there. Yeah, step towards definitely. the ball. And, you know, if he, if he runs into you, take the contact. But don't um, turn around and start bitching at the 19 year old when you're the worst player on the pitch by country mile. I think like
4: the rest of the period after that, much the same. I mean, we were a bit better than them in terms of our build-up play because we had build-up play. The the ball from Henderson to absolutely nobody came after another one of Rootface's walkabouts uh, where he just strides forward 30 yards for no reason whatsoever. He did this like four times against Newcastle again. And all you need is runners, players to fill that gap and someone to put the ball there. And he didn't. He put it miles and miles beyond everybody. There were multiple opportunities like this to kill the game off, and we absolutely should have. And Salah's won, you know, again, the great ball from Nunez that I referenced earlier on. Salah has to score that even though it's on his right foot. He's got to be doing better than that against, you know, let's, let's face it, a substandard goalkeeper, get them on target. We haven't really done that en- enough again. Um, we were okay in terms of on-the-ball stuff. Again, off the ball, I don't think we were very good. I actually disagree with what Dave said earlier about Matip. I thought he had a really poor game tonight. He started bad and I don't think he got all that much better. Uh, every time he got pulled out into the channel, didn't, didn't deal well with it at all. Um, anytime he was sort of trying to play forward into the midfield lines, I don't think he really picked the, the right balls tonight. His, his long passing was, was not particularly good either. Um, and a couple of times later on, he put us under a lot of pressure when it was completely unnecessary. Uh, I think I think he was well off it tonight, to be honest. I think
3: that's fair.
2: Uh, Bar his one great ball in defeat to Darwin, I think it was. Uh, I, I think that's pretty fair. Yeah. Carl, I'm going to come back to finish with your uh, finish with your thoughts uh, about the match overall in a second. Uh, we'll finish the show out with Dave's, but Dave, between you and I, let's look at the last chunk of the game from about 71 minutes where there was a decent nabby ball in uh, Virgil knocked it down to Mo that effort was saved Uh, you know very straightforward sort of a a football chance Uh, and again made me sort of raise a little eyebrow about Salah in the same way as I did last year and and, and I think people may have been vaguely frustrated and I honestly couldn't give a flying fuck because this guy is brilliant. Like he's a world-class footballer and if Liverpool are going to win things, he needs to be that all the time for us to do it. So my frustration with him is always based on a higher level than anyone else. So let's just put that in context first. On 73, I thought Trent was brilliant uh, versus uh, Harvey Barnes. Uh, uh, a great win. And then, the ball breaks to the captain who gives it away then Trent has to be brilliant again on 74 minutes versus Barnes and then Joel uh, gets uh, done just before him uh, before that uh, opportunity for Barnes so to be fair Trent with two excellent bits of defending back to back Minute after minute, uh, based on the shortcomings of others. 75 minutes, a dangerous ball in by Iheanacho, led to a corner, nothing came from it. Darwin, then the chance that you and I spoke about earlier on, where he shoots wide of the top corner. A lovely layoff from Mo Salah, after I think um, Nabi Keita had played the ball into Mo uh, Barnes hit the bar from a Vardy ball just after that, but thankfully he was offside. 81 minutes, there was a bit of great hold up work from Darwin Nunes, uh, and he releases the Baltimore Salah, who has another effort saved that led to a corner uh Darwin's header at the keeper from that corner um from Simicas. Uh Harvey was down again on eighty three after another heavy knock, knee and ankle this time. Uh Joe Gomez and Stefan Bachetic came on for Trent and Harvey. And I'll be honest at this stage I was thinking, yeah, uh buy some players. Uh eighty five minutes uh that was eighty-six. We saw a decent simicus run uh, that led to a corner. A great challenge by Bachetic on eighty-eight minutes, which is nice to see that side of our uh young child coming onto the pitch as well. Four minutes were added on and nothing really else happened at that point. So I don't know where you want to what way you want to do this, Dave. If you want to wrap it up and get out early, you can give me your thoughts on the game overall and that part of it uh, and plugs and all that uh, but I'll leave it up to you if you want to chat about that chunk and then I'll go to Carl and then go back to you I'll leave it completely up to you at this stage
3: what do you reckon? Um, The only thing I felt in the last kind of five six minutes plus the stoppage time was that if there was going to be another goal it was probably going to be from them because we had been quite wasteful and just with how you know, we've seen games like this play out over the years and, and, and how poor we were. I mean our performance didn't warrant winning the game. But um no look, we got three points and that's that is the the most important thing and it we we bring this year to an end and hopefully hopefully these lads cop themselves on ahead of Brentford on Monday. But Jurgen needs to cop himself on as well and he needs to start taking a long hard look at some of these players and realize that they're letting him down time and again and he needs to act and the liverpool board or the current ownership need to also have a look and realize that this needs to be addressed now we can't wait till the summer on a hope and a prayer that jude bellingham decides to join us and jude bellingham by himself doesn't fix all our problems. We need multiple midfielders in. One now, ideally two now, one to start, one for depth, because we've only got two midfielders that you can honestly look at and say, I'd like to have him on the pitch every game. It's Fabinho and Thiago. And none of the rest of them fit that bill. Naby's too injury prone. Ox isn't good enough. Henderson's finished. Milner's finished. Bastage is a child. Elliot's a child and not a midfielder. Carvalho's a child and not a midfielder. I don't think I've missed any, but I think that's the mole. Curtis. It's not Curtis Jones. He's proven nothing to show that he can warrant a place in this team. And he can't stay fit. He's injured again. He's injured again. He's missed basically the whole season. So that's that's becoming a real concern. This midfield needs to be addressed. And it needs to be addressed straight away. It's great that we have Gakpo in, and I think he will do very well. But the midfield needs to be addressed. And if we've blown our entire January budget on a forward, I don't care if we wanted him in the summer when we were worried someone was going to nick him. We need a midfielder, at least one in now. And aside from that, um I thought Joe Gomez did okay when he came on. He thought he looked alright, did did okay defensively and you know, whipped in one decent cross. Uh, I I really liked Basetich's cameo. I thought he was full of aggression and actually tried to go and, you know, smash one or two of their lads, which was nice to see. There was a weird interaction between him and Henderson when he came on in which he seemed to tell Henderson, I'm the sitting midfielder. Now you go box to box and Henderson completely blanked him, And Bassett just went and did the box box. And maybe that's not what it was. Maybe he was saying, you sit and I'll go. I don't know, but it seemed like he was saying, I'm, I'm sitting and you have to go box to box now. Um, I don't know how Anderson was allowed to stay on the pitch for 90 minutes. Like I said, he should have been hauled off 25-30 minutes in. The, the Lovren treatment, that's worse than Lovren played the day Lovren got hauled off against Spurs. It's one of the worst performances you'll see all season. and um, I don't want to talk about it anymore. So, I will leave it there. Uh, Two footed Pod will be back on Tuesday, as will the Daily Red, uh, taking Monday off to you know enjoy the bank holiday for the new year. And there'll be some scouteds, I'm sure. We'll we'll have to figure those out. And there'll be raw, and there's going to be another old school, hopefully with gags soon. And I've got the Buzz podcast, which is going to be a film and TV podcast coming back to life on Anfield Index in January and I have a new pod for January at least and we'll see what happens after that with a with a guest whose name shall remain anonymous for now. Dude
2: stop teasing
3: us. No. Come on, what's no. happening no. Break it, break it I here. All right. This is uh, listen, this it goes above my pay grade. Don't
2: mind Gibbo, just tell me. <laughs> I'll tell you fair. I'll Nobody's... tell you fair. Ah crap. Also, I can't believe you're doing a film and TV pod and I haven't gotten a specific WhatsApp
3: about being on it for the love. You will be on it, like, I can't even get you on to do our own podcast. We <laughs> haven't been able to sort that out, so how am I going to ask you through this? Oh,
2: you're funny. You're funny, man. Uh, Carl, what do we talk about to wrap this up? Give me your final thoughts uh, and also, as they did, segue out with whatever's coming up from you in the next one.
4: Okay, well, I feel that we probably should try and end on a positive note because we did win the game after all, and that is yes, great. yes. So man. I'll do I'll do a couple of um, positives, I suppose. Uh, first one is going to be that somehow in this <sighs> cesspool, something else which goes with the the whole brown theme of, today, <laughs> of a season, we are currently two points off fourth. So figure that one out for yourselves because I've got no idea how we've managed it at the minute, but that's where we are. So that's yeah. one good thing. Um, I don't think we've actually spoken enough about Thiago tonight and how good he was because in amongst half the mediocrity and the absolute shite, uh, he was absolutely sensational. tonight. He was really, really good. That he was, was
2: not brown. He was not brown.
4: <laughs> he was distinctly not brown tonight. Um <laughs> He was, I mean, obviously not shots because Darwin Nunez was playing, but basically he was top of every other stat. Um Nobody had more key passes than him. Nobody had more touches than him. Uh Nobody was fouled more times than him. I don't think actually anybody had more dribbles than him either. Uh, but then he also had the most interceptions and the most tackles made uh on the entire Liverpool team and uh, obviously made the most passes because it's Seattle. So he was like head and shoulders, and then some of his nipples above everybody else as well. He was very, very good tonight. So I think we definitely needed to speak a bit more about him. Um One of the, the quirks of the statistical anomalies tonight is Costas Simikas came on for about half an hour plus injury time and finished with a 100% completion rate of his passes somehow, just um, by overrunning the ball about 16 times. And So I'm not really sure what the stats are doing with all of that lot. Uh, Other stats outside of the match itself, tonight Liverpool were the first side in Premier League history to go a goal down and still win, despite not any of their players scoring a goal. Uh, That's from Michael Reid, who is a uh, Liverpool statistician, obviously, and that's a very, very nice one for us to have, but not we want to repeat too often. Uh, And a final one, Andy Robertson, not sure if we actually mentioned, but he obviously went off injured tonight, so hopefully that's not a, a longer term thing or anything But off the pitch, he has tonight been awarded an MBE for services to football charity and young people. Um, The award itself, we'll keep quiet about whether or not that should still be a thing, but definitely he deserves recognition for the stuff that he has done off the pitch. So well done to him for that. Um, For me personally, I will be not receiving any awards, but still be doing podcasts nonetheless. And we'll be doing the Brentford one at the weekend for Scouted. I will potentially be writing something Liverpool-y for the new year. I have got a Cody Gakpo on the independent uh, sort of analysis of what he might do over the coming seasons, not so much the coming weeks. And then if you want some non-Liverpool stuff, I decided to write about the bottom half of the Premier League, because 10 other clubs sometimes deserve words on them, and we get to laugh at Everton.
2: Glorious. Uh, Don't rule out any awards if you're using words like Liverpool-y. E. I absolutely insist that you're in receipt of some sort of award at the end of the season. That was Carol Matchett. You heard Dave Hendrick. I've been Trev Downey. Guy Drinkle produced. This was Raw. We'll see you again for the next one.
1: We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community,